The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and this episode is two things. One, it is sponsored by Express. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh assortment of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. Find out more about Express and their exclusive offer for Pick 6 Podcast listeners later in the show. This podcast, this episode is also two. Hey, Brady, Grand Football <laughs> and adding the lazy, the actual air horns is so much better. Uh, it is actually Tuesday, October 20th, which means that, um, because this is usually comes out on Wednesday, we're releasing it early because Tua Tungvalu was named the Dolphin starter. But since this is a Tuesday show, I have to say happy birthday, mom. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's sweet. She turned seven. Did she listen? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. My mom, uh, same way. She says she does. She definitely does not. But more importantly, Brady, since this is released on the afternoon that we record it, do you know what this makes this podcast? Uh, is this an emergency podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Welcome to your first emergency podcast. Uh, no, I was actually out on the golf course when Tua Tonga Bailoa was named the Dolphin Starter, so we didn't get a recording done. Uh, but you are here to talk about it. And it actually, it works really well. You know, yeah. You're a Florida guy. You're a former quarterback. Uh, and you've watched a lot of Tua. I mean, I just called their game a few weeks ago, yeah. Exactly. You've seen some Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I mean, to be honest, I would say they're going to their bye week, which is good. That's a good time to make the change, which leads me to believe that Brian Flores had this planned all along. But I, I frankly don't get this. Ryan Fitzpatrick has played pretty well this year. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're one game back of the division lead. Why would you make this change now? Here's why I don't think this was a preconceived de- de- decision, right? Or, or that he was anticipating doing this. Remember when their buy actually was? Oh, it wasn't yeah. this upcoming week, right? COVID impacted this schedule. Remember, they had that funky deal where they were going to play the New York Jets, have a buy, and then play the New York Jets again. So for, for that reason, I don't think this was like any, any sort of plan necessarily. I think this had to do with a couple of things. Um, look, they've gotten this team to a good point where they're a 500 football team. Uh, they've been really competitive. They won the past two weeks. And I think it's more about the team out around Tua than it is really about Tua. He only threw two passing attempts in this most recent game. 
And, you know, he didn't play enough to really give you a sense of like, okay, now he's ready just because of two pass attempts and uh, however many plays he was actually in there for, nine or whatever it was. So the point I think more is this offensive line's in a better place. You looked at the tight end group. They've got Gasicki. They've got Smythe. They've got Shaheen. All of those guys are contributing. All of them play roles. Devontae Parker's your number one. Isaiah Ford's your slot. You've got Preston Williams, who's a red zone target, and your 50-50 ball catcher with that big catch radius. And then Jakeem Grant's your gadget guy slash, you know, returner. And you might try to take some shots to him downfield. And then your running game, it's, it's really emerged with Miles Gaskin uh, as your featured runner, along with the stable of running backs of Jordan Howard and, and, um, Matt Breda. So, you know, all in all, I think it's, this is really more about Tua Tonga Vailoa sitting watching Ryan Fitzpatrick, how he prepared the defenses that they're going to face. And, and then, you know, maybe showcasing some things in practice, but he's usually running scout team and running cards. So he can't be doing that much, right? They're basically pointing to a, a picture and saying, throw to this guy, throw to that guy. I think this has more to do with them being in a spot where Brian Flores has said, look, We've gotten to a point where we're a 500 football team. If we want to be competitive, if we want to continue, we can continue to do this. I don't know that they're going to be a playoff team, even if that's the case. What we need to focus on is our team's in a good spot now to insert Tua. Are we going to go through some potential bumps along the way? Of course, but we're going to be better in 2021 for this. And I still think he can come in and operate this offense like we've seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick under Chan Gailey. So, I think this has more to do with actually everything out around Tua than it actually has to do with Tua at this point. Mm, interesting. So, I mean... But, I, I, one of the things, too, that I find interesting just living down here is everyone was clamoring after the game I called a couple weeks ago, uh, after the Dolphins lost to Seattle Seahawks, they're like, when's Tua going to play? When's Tua going to play? Then Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins beat the crap out of the 49ers. And then they win this past week, beat the crap out of the New York Jets. And that's where you're going, wait, this doesn't make any sense, right? Like, why would you interject him in now? I just, I think it's such a Bill Belichick kind of thing to do. Like, this is a page out of the New England Patriots playbook. They weren't going to let the media or the fans or anyone else dictate when they were going to make this decision. They were going to make it when they felt like the timing was right. And they feel like the timing is right. Much like we see sometimes Bill Belichick and playing certain guys certain weeks and then other guys not other weeks. That was how I kind of looked at this. Like, Brian Forrest is his own head coach. But he's taken something, I think, with him from that Bill Belichick playbook. And I think that has a little bit to do with this, too, with this decision. Is it possible that he looks at this situation with Tua and Fitzpatrick and says, okay, um, Fitzpatrick is, gives, makes, can make this team a 500 team. But if we want to be long-term successful or even like, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I have, I have trouble. Here's maybe I feel like watching Fitzpatrick, he's been really good this year. Like yeah. he's playing some of his best football. He and he does this. Now look, the Fitz magic explosion is is due. I mean, he's seven, you know, six weeks in, playing really well. Like this is about the time that he typically turns into a pumpkin and something bad happens. And so maybe you bring to it. I I don't know. I just that's technically not true, right? Go back to 2015. They go ten and six with the Jets. He has a great year under Chan Gailey, balls out. Signs that deal. Remember, he was late getting to can 2016. Didn't have as good of a year, and that was kind of the end of that, right? So I think he can actually sustain this and do this for a year, especially with the way they're operating right now. Uh, I just I think this is more of the, like, if you want to paint out, like, the risk to all this, I think this is the risk for Brian Forrest's. They interject to a, yeah, he's got two weeks to prepare for the game, but why does he fall flat on his face for the next three or four weeks? You have a, You have a problem then, right? Because you basically said to all the players in the locker room, it's about the future. It's not about right now. 
And so then what do you do? Do you interject Ryan Fitzpatrick back in? Well, that kind of, you know, hurts the, obviously the, the, the psyche of Tua Tonga Vailoa and his development. And so I think this is a decision that like you really can't go back from. And right. look, you might lose some people in that locker room because they might be saying, we're second in the division. We're 500. We want a two game winning streak. Like, and then we've lost the past three or four games now with this guy in, like put Ryan back in. And so that's really what's at stake is this culture that he's built. And I think it's great. I think he's done a tremendous job building this team. Now it be, and now it comes to like a fragile point where it, it's not a gamble by any means. But he definitely need, he, he definitely had to weigh the risks of this decision, what may happen over the course of the next four or five weeks with this team, especially if Tua plays bad and they lose, how he might lose the locker room that, you know, and you can lose it a lot easier than it takes to build it. And I think right. he's done a good job building it. And I think that's the concern here. So coming up after the bye, the, the Dolphins play the Rams at home. And I, I do think it's, is it, I don't know if it matters for performance. I do think, and maybe it doesn't matter when you have minimal ticket sales, but I do think it matters for energizing the fan base in a normal situation to let a, and it's a little more comfort to start at home in your first start. Like that helps. I don't think it's great that your first starts against Aaron Donald. I mean, that's a little, little, I mean, like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey's to be roaming out there and the, the Rams having a good defense. I mean, then they play at Arizona, Chargers at home. I mean, I know Chandler Jones is out, but that's, that's three pretty good defenses that, okay defenses. Uh, and then they get at Denver. They looked all right against New England before you play at the Jets. Uh, and then Bengals, Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills to close out. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, I just think that you are, you, you have some momentum with this team. And if Tua isn't good over the next three weeks or four weeks, it gets better defenses than you just played over the last four weeks. People are going to say, why did you pull him? You need to put Fitzpatrick back in. And if you cave to those people, then you, like you say, you damage Tua's like psyche. So either Tua is really ready to go. You think Fitzpatrick is a uh, mirage of sorts, and that's possible. Or you just sort of are guessing I, I i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense to me i think the question is is he set up to fail you know given the string of teams you just talked about uh because they all are better defenses than what they faced so far this year and i think the tough part is is you might ask yourself okay well when do we put to it in if not now then when right like do you only want to give him one week to prepare for uh the the la rams and make this decision a week from now after you have a chance in a week to review everything probably doesn't make sense so why not announce it now? Give him two weeks to prepare and let him try to get his legs underneath him, literally and figuratively, you know, moving forward through these tough defenses. I, I just think at this point, they probably felt like there's no point in waiting. Uh, maybe they can get what they're, they're getting from, uh, to, from, from Ryan Fitzpatrick into a Tonga by Lois play, but th- there's no doubt it's, it's a bit of a risk. And yeah, I think statistically speaking, when you look at how good those four defenses are, there's a chance that he doesn't look as good and they might not get the, the results they want from the game, but it's not a product of Tua. It's just the fact that, look, this offensive line is not going to be challenged like they're going to be challenged in the next four weeks and having to go up against a guy like Aaron Donald uh, or some of the other defenses that you mentioned. So that's, I think, the difficulty that they play is uh, everything out around him that they feel like is better set up for him now, now they're probably being challenged as much as they ever have over the course of the next four weeks. I, I think I just think you could have just done this in week three when you're zero and two and you're playing the Jaguars at home on a Thursday night and yeah that's a short week and that's a problem but the Jaguars stink 
And I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick went 18 of 20 against Jacksonville and they died. They won 31, 13 and he had 160 passing yards. Like he didn't, I mean, he was good, but he didn't have to do that much. Tua could have done that against Jacksonville. And then you would have had Seattle, which is a tough matchup, but you know, maybe you go toe to toe with Russell Wilson and your defense plays well. You, you covered that game. It was close until uh, he decided to kick a field goal late down five or whatever, or down eight. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just think, I think you were setting him up to fail. And that's my concern. And that if four weeks from now or five weeks from now, the Dolphins are three and seven and Tua looks like a rookie out there taking his lumps, people are going to, people are going to criticize this decision. Um, over at William Hill, you can wager on offensive rookie of the year. Justin Herbert is the current favorite. He has left ahead of Joe Burrow. He slid back a little bit on today's news. He is plus 125. Burrow, Two to one, or maybe it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire's performance. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, four and a half to one. Chase Claypool, all the way up to 15 to one. A couple of these receivers, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, and then Tua, 25 to one. Which of those quarterbacks would interest you the most at that, at their particular prices? Did I miss Joe Burrow? Was he not on that list? The Burrow is two to one. Two to one. Okay. Herbert is a leapfrog Burrow in the odds. I personally, between those two, I would smash Joe Burrow. Right. I would, I would take Joe Burrow. He's almost a shoe in. I think he, you know, one, they're not done this year. I think they'll continue to get better. I know they're potentially going to be moving on from some, some of the veterans on that team. Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. They seem unhappy. John Ross, but I mean, John Ross really hasn't played much of a factor into that, um, that, that whole equation there in the passing game anyway. So uh, I think he's still the favorite. Herbert could play a close second and that it probably depends on, um, you know, maybe how competitive he makes that team. But, you know, to me, I mean, I don't really give much of a chance to it just because of such a late start. I think statistically he's going to have a hard time putting up that those numbers. Clyde Edwards-Elaire, I mean, look, he had a great game this past week uh, versus the Buffalo Bills, but you know those numbers are going to get cut down now that Le'Veon Bell's there. Uh, so I wouldn't put him in that conversation either. Claypool, I think the hard thing about a wide receiver is his defenses are going to start lining up to take him away. Now, the good thing, or in his favor, he's got – Juju Smith-Schuster and Eric Ebron and Deontay Johnson, and you know they still got a rushing attack too. So you can't really just take and focus on him. Like there's other issues there, and they get him the football in a variety of ways, right? They'll, they'll go ahead and hand him the football off on a jet sweep. So uh, he might be not a bad one. You might want to sprinkle a little money on in case he just continues to erupt and and have these big touchdown performances. But I, I still betting on the quarterback. I just have a hard time believing it's not going to be Joe Burrow. Okay. Uh, so, but does Tua at 25 to one interest you at all? No, again, it's just, it's too late of a start to the season. I mean, it, it would be really, really hard pressed to be able to make up the ground on Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert with as many starts and as much, you know, many plays and how much production they already have, you know, going into week seven. Now, if he did manage to, he's got, you know, he's got three wins that helps. And I know that Ryan Fitzpatrick's wins, but. If he somehow got the Dolphins to the playoffs, I think he would probably get it over Herbert. Well, yeah, that would be, that would be a different, that would be a different story. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that the Chargers are like, well, I guess in that division, they would be far off and, and the AFC East seems way more open. I just, I, I don't, again, they're playing a, a, a difficult part of their schedule. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to fare through it. Okay. I don't mind a little sprinkle on Tua at 25 to 1. I think he's, I mean, in theory, he should see the rest of the year. Although, as you point out, Fitzpatrick could come in. Um, if he does play the rest of the year and they do well, get the, the playoffs. Turn too, right? I mean, let's be real. Like, there's, there's a massive hip injury. He's been prone to injuries throughout the course of his career. Like, we don't know how this is going to go. I mean, it's not even just him not playing well. It's the fact that he could get hurt, right? Absolutely. 
That's why it's 25 to one. Uh, so Ryan Fitzpatrick now gets to, uh, kick it. Gets to sit back at home. Maybe wear some comfortable clothes like me. You know, I, uh, I sit at home most of the day when I'm not out and about doing biz stuff, but I still have responsibilities. I still do important things, Brady. And, uh, when we, you know, we record a podcast that like double digit times per week, I got to be on YouTube. I need people to see me. So I need clothes that look good and feel good and pod good. And Express offers that versatility that I am looking for. Today, I want to tell you about their 1MX Performance Shirts. Breathable, moisture-wicking, stretchable. What, what, what were we wearing in high school? These, like, chainmail, thickly-knit polo shirts. Nowadays, these things are luxurious, comfy, excellent. I felt like I was wearing a, a cardboard box when I think back to those heavy cotton T-shirts. I mean, it was like, like you just pull it on, you'd be like, and now... You get these comfortable, casual, but, you know, business-eligible clothes. Wearing a 1MX performance shirt flatters this dad bod. I can promise you that. And uh, it also makes your life easier. So check out what Express has to offer. You can get $25 off a $50 purchase by simply texting the word FOOTBALL to 397737. That is 50% off your $50 order. Just text FOOTBALL to 397737. Seven, three, seven. Okay. I'm going to play some contender and pretender. Can these teams win the conference in the AFC? We'll start there. Buffalo Bills. Can they win? Can the Buffalo Bills win the AFC? Say it out loud now. It feels a little weird. Yeah. Especially coming off this, uh, this past Monday night's performance. Um, yeah. I think they can. But if judging based on what we saw Monday night is the barometer, then no, uh, I, I'm going to have to change that answer because clearly Kansas City is the top of the AFC and they made the statement and they did it in a way that wasn't necessarily overly dominant, you know, looking at their, their big splash plays or passing yards. Uh, it was largely running the football, controlling the game, playing good defense. So uh, I just think the Kansas City Chiefs are still the top of that conference. And so it's hard to imagine really any other team, you know, being able to compete with them, at least right now at this juncture of the season. I do think Buffalo has the pieces, but they've just got to drastically improve. I think if they want to be able to com- compete uh, and have a chance at, at knocking off or beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, all right, we probably got a little ahead of ourselves on the Josh Allen hype train. No, come on. he He's afforded the opportunity to have a bad game. Look, I know Patrick Mahomes was efficient. It wasn't like they necessarily like lit it up throwing the football around the field. I didn't. I, I, think, I didn't think he was that great, and I got killed for it. But he and, and he had a great stat line, but he didn't. Yeah. It looked like it was tough, just tough to grip the ball. Well, I mean, and it can be with the the rain like that. You know, I talked to Byron Pringle, their wide receiver for Kansas City, had a couple catches in the game, in um, particular, a nice like what thirty one yard or thirty seven yard or whatever it was. Um, but he talked about it. He said, look, it was raining a lot worse actually in pregame than it was during the game. But, you know, ball security, uh, how wet it was, that was, you know, a, a concern for us out there, you know, mixed in with the wind too. And he said that kind of played a bit of a factor, he thinks, in the passing game. And one of the reasons why, you know, they didn't try to test downfield throws quite as much. Uh, clearly the Buffalo Bills didn't get that memo. They were like, yeah, we're just going to keep heaving it downfield. Uh, and just from having played in that stadium before, by the way, um, it also does tend to kind of whip around. It's kind of more that bowl shaped. Uh, and so it can kind of do some funky things to the football. Uh, depending left on right. You never know which way it's going to go. 
Well, it's, it's a little bit of that, and it's just like if you're throwing across the field, especially deep down across the field and you're around midfield, it can kind of affect the football at different points on its flight. So, uh, again, I don't want to get too nerdy into that. That's more of like a, a kicking, punning, kicking conversation where the, the dorks gather before the game. They're all like, hmm, which way is the wind blowing? It's, it's well, let's stand in different spots. Like, usually you walk the field before the game, and you literally stand there at each corner of the end zone you know, each side kind of midfield and, and you, you kind of feel where the wind's at and how it's going to play a factor into that ball. Uh, that, by the way, was supposed to be a buildo joke. That's oh, but you missed it. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Uh, we'll move along. I look, I, I just, I mean, think, at this point, I'm not sure what I can and cannot say on the pick six podcast. So it depends on the platform, really. <laughs> on, on audio with me, say whatever you want, I think. Um, I think somebody I, said something about psychedelic mushrooms and Adderall the other day. I don't even know who that was. Probably. I, mean, that's, that, I don't think that's going to offend anyone, though. No, right. Uh, the Bills, by the way, 12 to 1 to win the conference. I, 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 my, I, my bigger concern I, is their defense. Yeah. Their defense stinks. Well, your boy from Carolina, Mario Addison. I mean, he's leading their team in sacks right now. Uh, I, I don't think they're getting enough pressure off of the edge, in my opinion. Ed Oliver's kind of hit and miss as far as when he decides to show up and have impact games. Uh, I think their back seven is better than their front seven. Linebackers um, have been hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's been part of it. Look, Josh Norman is going to be the guy that teams pick on, which you would have said that like four years ago. You're like, no, 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 I'm going to work the other matchup. But when Trey White's out there, he's the best. And so you're really looking at the safeties, you know, in, in, in the passing game and looking for matchups. And then if Norman's going to play with that sort of cushion, you're going to take those passes in front of him all game long and then try to get him to bite on a double move because he can be aggressive from time to time. So that's another, I think, weakness and it's something that they're, they're going to have to figure out how to deal with moving forward. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 62 point differential. Haven't really played anybody, but that's okay. Nobody has any good wins in the NFL this year so far. Uh, six well, Cleveland, I guess that would debunk that, but yeah. Two. What? To be Cleveland, Cleveland's four and one entering that game. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, they have, okay, they thump, they thump the crap out of Cleveland. They don't have like a signature win. I think the only real signature win that I would, Point two in the NFL this year is like uh, maybe Tampa Bay over Green Bay and uh, uh, KC over Baltimore. I'd say KC over Baltimore, KC over Buffalo. Those are both pretty solid ones for me. But yeah, yeah. that works. Um, I'm mostly just making fun of the fact that the NFL is a mall of uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, I mean, we call it mediocrity, parody, a mall of parody. It's like look at all the parody. It's like a, it's kind of crappy this year. Anyway, it's a pandemic season. Steelers, Steelers are good. They're really good. Like, yeah, that, that's a contender. That's a team that, again, my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I've got them knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen, but I think they're on the right path. I mean, the, the, my biggest concern moving forward is the loss of Devin Bush for the rest of the season. Yes. I mean, this, just, this guy really solidified their defense. You know, after they lost Shazier, that tragic injury, they were trying to kind of figure things out. And, and I just, I don't know how they're going to be able to replace Devin Bush, because for, for the past year and, and into this year, he's been phenomenal. Um, and so that's, that's disheartening. That's concerning, I think, for the defense moving forward. And, and then offensively, look, it's been great. The emergence of Chase Claypool, but, uh, you know, will he be able to continue to do that consistently as a rookie? And then, you know, how big of strides can, can Ben Roethlisberger take? Because I feel like they're, they still haven't hit their stride necessarily, you know, as far as being really being able to explode. But maybe we're just not going to see that. Like maybe we're not ever going to see what was the best of Ben Roethlisberger, uh, even with what he has out around him at this point in time in his career and given his age. I 
I think I agree with everything you said. And now I am curious to see how the Devin Bush thing plays out because when Tampa Bay lost Vita Vea, I was worried that they might suffer in the run game with their run defense and they, they held up just fine against Green Bay. Now, so I, I mean, I mean, they made a trade, like literally they traded for Steve McClendon, who that's the most amazing story, by the way. He literally leaves from the game in a rental car in Miami and just drives the Tampa. Like, doesn't even go back with the team. Oh, yeah, I'm out of the Jets anymore. Like, I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm just going to drive across Alligator Alley. Give me a rental. He's calling his agent. Give me a rental car and get me out of here. I mean, so clearly Tampa, they must be somewhat concerned because they traded for a guy like while he was still playing. He was playing against the Dolphins, and they're like, Hey, uh, you know, just make sure McClendon doesn't get hurt this morning. We're going to go ahead and give up something for him. And, uh, you got to send him our way. We'll, we'll send him around. He's got the windows down, like ripping up 95, just like listen, like, like, like more than a feeling by Boston, just like air drumming on the, like the thing. He's like, like so excited because he's not the Jets anymore. The enterprise guy is like waiting outside the stadium. He's like, we'll pick you up. Gives him a hug. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I'm so glad to be out of here. These guys are terrible, man. Um, yeah, I am, but I'm curious if like, will Bush's departure have it, have that kind of impact on the run, the run defense for the Steelers? Yeah. It could. I mean, we saw it with Shazier. Like the, the Steelers went from one of the best defenses in football when Shazier got hurt to one of the worst. And I'm not saying that it will happen again, but that, that's a pretty important piece for him. It's a huge piece. I mean, again, you know, the, the point you just made, like that was the weak point, even in pass coverage, like forget about the run for a second. Even in pass coverage, like teams are basically just dropping back. I'm going to look to the left. I might a little pump over there and I just dump right over the ball. And it could be the tight end, it could be the wide receiver, but they like kept attacking that middle portion of the field. And they make you think they're going to throw it somewhere else. But it was like every single time, there's like dump down on the outlet to the running back, to the tight end, to the wide receiver. Like every single time they were working that triangle in the middle of the field and they would just look people off and then throw right there about 10, 12 yards right over the middle of the field and that avoided the defense. Yeah, and if if that becomes a problem, and then as you point out, Big Ben can't, and I do think there's, it's possible that they just need time to sort of ramp up Ben's playing and to get him in well, a and spot. Well, with his arm yeah. too, too, that could be a part of it too. Yeah, um, so that that those are things to watch, I think. But Pittsburgh has looked awesome this season and absolutely contender. Uh, I would take the Chiefs, and I would still take the Ravens to win the division over them, though. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see those two teams square off. I, I don't know. I, they play twice. Well, the the, the Bush, again, l- losing Devin Bush before you play the Ravens twice in five weeks is not ideal. You know, but, but my concern isn't so much about Pittsburgh in that regard. It's more about I just haven't seen the the Ravens. A, their defense isn't playing as well as they were a year ago. Nope. Um and I think it, if you look at their offense, they're not running the, the same way as they were, and they're they're not throwing the football. I don't think he's taking those monumental strides like we thought he was going to take, or at least maybe it looked like in the first week or two. Uh, now I almost feel like you know he's he he could change his arm slot in different angles, but he's like throwing those sidearm throws too much. Like now balls are like dying; they're not getting there. He's getting balls batted at the line of scrimmage because he's trying to drop his arm down, and defenses are well aware of it. I just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit kind of concerned about where this Baltimore Ravens offense is going right now. Yeah, I, that's fine. I think we're sort of missing the fact that like they've beaten the crap out of everybody they played. I mean, with the exception of Kansas City, obviously. I mean, they, they 38-6 against the Browns, 33-16 against the Texans, lose to Kansas City, 
31-17 against Washington, 27-3 against Cincinnati, and then they 30-28 against Philly, but that was all like garbage time Philly trying to make it a miracle comeback. So quite possibly wonder- by the way, the worst defensive pass interference call it's made this season on Marcus Peters when Wentz threw up that prayer that they called DPI on. That was that was awful. Um and the Eagle the, the Ravens do get their bye ahead of, of Pittsburgh. They anyway, we're not talking about the Ravens, they're a contender. Let's move on to the AFC South. The Colts and the Titans, who we will lump together. Uh, not the Colts, but the Titans definitely are. I mean, I, I think this team is. How, how dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not going to go there. I know there's some history there. Um, I, I think when you look at the Titans coaching staff, Mike Vrabel should be up for coach of the year. Arthur Smith uh, is probably going to get a head coaching job, their offensive coordinator, with the job that he's done. Tannehill's arguably been maybe the best quarterback in the league since he took over as a starter in Tennessee. Is, I mean, is he, is he like second behind Russ in the MVP race? I mean, I, I think he's definitely in the conversation right now. The, the hard thing is, is when Derrick Henry breaks off a 90 yard touchdown run, you're like, all right, it, you know, Russ doesn't have that. So that's Russ's trump card where he's really leading the way there. And especially as bad as their defense is Now Tennessee's defense hasn't been that much better this year, but they're better in Seattle. So um, I think, I think as far as that conversation goes, you could throw his name in there. I don't know how real that'll end up being, but he's been phenomenal. Derek Henry's continued to be, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and, and their defense at, at times has done enough, but I'm just more impressed with Brable, his game management, how he's gone about handling COVID and just everything that along with that. I talked to Dennis Kelly today, their tackle, and he just said, look, he's like, credit our coaching staff. He's like, they've been able to put together plans. And really help motivate us at times when we're not around each other and, and we've been able to figure a way of getting it done. Um, I, I, I think Vrabel absolutely should be in coach of the year mix and is like secretly a top 10 coach in the league, maybe. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, he's, top 10 is a little hard. I mean, it's tough, but he's, he's a really good coach. He's a really good coach and, and, you know, he's found a way to of being able to implement, you know, ways of, I think, trying to manipulate. Um, the, the, the rule book. I mean, look at last week in that 12th man and how every, every team has that in their, you know, at some point in their defensive playbook, right? To, you know, take some sort of offsides or something like that to stop the clock. But the fact that, you know, he kind of saw the right situation executed and it worked out. It really ended up playing in their favor. I mean, it's the literal opposite of Mike McCarthy down 25 trying to kick a 58 yard field goal and like, <laughs> like on fourth down and, and you're down 25, you're like, and, I don't know. It's, it's that sort of, that's doing that sort of thing. And he did it against Belichick last year in the playoffs too with the, with the, um, yeah. the you know, like the, the rule that Belichick really exploited first and then Vrabel used against sure, him. Sure. But um, I mean, but, by the way, uh, on the Dallas Cowboys, ugh, it started to get ugly there too with some of the players and some of the reports that are leaking out there about just not feeling like they're not, you know, prepared. And uh, Jane Slater had the quote that they said, uh, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, look, bottom line is, you know, there wasn't much of an offseason, and you don't know how different coaching staffs will handle it. Uh, they're struggling, even though they're still at the top of the NFC East. Like, if I was a player, I think I'd be careful about, you know, just going in the tank right now. I mean, bottom line is, it's the NFC East, man. That's what you play in. You're never really out of it, and you may win it at 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10, So you win two two games after that. I mean, like, yeah. Like, it's, which, which, by the way, should be another separate conversation, like, with the expanded playoffs, we we really do need to start thinking about re-racking based on overall record yeah. and not giving a team that goes seven to nine, six to ten a, a home field playoff game. It's just 
it's not I mean, fair to the other teams that win more games throughout the course of the year. It might be five and eleven. And you know, by the way, you know who I did uh I did radio in Boston on Tuesday morning, and we're trying to figure out who the team that's going to get screwed by the NFC East is. And I realize who it is: the Lions. <laughs> the Lions. They're going to go nine and seven, and Matt Patricia will miss the playoffs because of the NFC East. All right, let's take a break. Well, I was going to say any team in the NFC West, by the way, because they all four could make the playoffs at this point. Well, maybe we'll talk about them after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, so NFC contenders and pretenders. Oh, this one's an easy one. First up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, of course. I mean, I think if they continue on the track they're on right now, I mean, I'll be honest, I feel more confident in the direction Tampa's going than I do in where New Orleans is going. Like, yeah, I kind of feel like the ceiling is higher for Tampa. Their defense since the second half of last year has been much improved. This year already we saw that versus Green Bay. Um, if you look at their offense, you know, I, losing OJ Howard played its impact. And I think Tom Brady's still trying to get on the same page with Chris Godwin and Evan still is hundred percent, but the offensive line's playing better, but they did well, uh, versus the Green Bay Packers pass rush. Brady's getting a better fuel for guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller and Gronk showed up the last game. Like I think this offense actually has a higher ceiling than the Saints with, you know, the absence of questionably. Even yeah. with Michael Thomas back, the, the the Bucks have a much higher ceiling than the Saints. Yeah, and look, and I'm not sure if that's a byproduct of like Drew Brees and his deteriorating play, or if it's more of just they're kind of losing some of that mojo, or if it has more to do with the Saints' defense not being quite as good as as what the Tampa Bay Bucks have been. But either way, like I think that team's definitely a contender, and who knows where they're going to be in the next five or six weeks? They they could be all of a sudden talked about as top of the uh, top of the conference. I took the Saints minus one thirty before this season to win the division. Now they are plus 108 and the Bucks are minus 112. I would, I don't want juice on both sides. I just have to take a loss, but I'm like half tempted to buy out and take some Buccaneers. I like to, like to take a chunk out and go with the Bucks here. A lot of time left. I, I wouldn't do that, especially, you know, considering the age of both quarterbacks and if either one of those missed time, you have no idea. Plus, how if that Davis comes in, the Saints are obviously winning the division. Speaking of the Saints, the Saints are contender, the Saints are contender. Yeah, they're a contender. I mean, I don't know if we need to review that too much. Um, but again, I think I'm more concerned about them than they are the Bucks with how their defense has played lately. Agreed. Uh, Chicago Bears, five and one Chicago Bears. I mean, I, uh, I just, I, how are they I mean, not? Like, here's the thing is I know you're going to play the adversarial role here. Cause I, I like, I get it. No, no, I've, I've, I've done a flip. I'm, I'm now picking the Bears to win every game the rest of the year. So here's that, the way, thing is, that way, if they lose, I'm happy because they lost. And if they win, I'm correct. So it's a super troll. It's a triple troll job by me. I tend to think that they're a pretender. I don't, I'll put it this way. They're going to make the playoffs. At least it would be hard for them not to have five and one so far, but they're not, they can't win the conference. Like they're, they're not good enough to do that. Even in saying that I think they're going to make the playoffs, I think they're probably going to make it as a wild card team at best and will be one and done. So, um, it, it's no, it's not to disparage what they've done. I think they've got a better defense than we've given them credit. Akeem Hicks is solid. Khalil Mack starting to show up now too. Roquan Smith is one of the more underrated linebackers in this league and their secondary has played pretty well. 
Um, but offensively, it's just, it's hard to believe in Nick Foles in this offense. Even though I love Allen Robinson, I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. It's hard to imagine them being able to just continue to run off, uh, what over the course of the next 10 games, you know, win five games, six games. Cause I, I don't know that they're good enough to be able to have to play. Like they need to be the number one seed. That gives them the best shot at winning the conference is playing one less game. Cause I don't know that anyone's buying them being able to make a run in the playoffs. So they have the Rams coming up this week on Monday Night Football in L.A. Then they play the Saints. They have the Titans on the road, Vikings at home, at the Packers, Lions at home, Texans at home, at the Vikings, at the Jaguars, Packers at home. Yeah. I was that, feels ch- like, that feels like four wins in nine and seven. Yeah, probably. That, that's probably fair. And then and they're second in the NFC North, and I don't know, like the second wild card or something like that? No, I I would think they'd be like the – yeah, no, that's probably right. I, I guess I guess 9 and 7 gets – I'm just – I'm wondering about the NFC West. Like I'm wondering West, what all those – Yeah. I Well, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I think if the Bears get to 9 and 7, they're going to get in the playoffs. Like they're, 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 it would take a total meltdown for the Bears not to get in the playoffs. Well, it could just be a tie-breaking scenario, you know, where you might have multiple teams. Because, unfortunately, the NFC East will be so bad yes. that they're only getting one in, but that team could get in it. As you said, I don't know about 5-11, and 11, but but maybe 6-10. and 10. And so if you've got a 6-10 and 10 division winner that gets in as a playoff team and the rest of that division struggles even with three or four games, right, with where they're at now, um, I think you might be looking at 9-7 and seven being, like, the worst you could be just because everyone's pounding on the NFC East. By the way, the Bears are five. The Bears' five wins are all one-score games. Like right. it, is, it is a find a ways to win. You know, I've hey, done, done calling off no, horseshoes and hand grenades, man. Doesn't matter how close, as long as you win. They got a horseshoe jammed up a bear's ass right now. So they got <laughs> you can't stop winning these one-score games. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Everything going their way. Unbelievable. All right, let's look at the rest of the. This picture that visual, by the way. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Bears walking around the <laughs> Smokey the Bear put out a campfire, but he's got a he's got a <laughs> up his ass. Oh man, maybe pliers. Um, all right, so let's take the Seahawks off the table because they Stop are forest fires. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, anyway, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Forty um, Niners. How about that? Uh, they are all a five hundred or better. How would you rate them? How would you slot them out uh, in terms of contender oh, pretender? Are we not putting the Seahawks in that conversation? Seahawks are just a contender. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, well, yeah, they're a contender, so we don't need to touch on them. But I mean, like the Seahawks I, are undefeated and Russell Wilson. I think, I think they all are. Like, I, I really do think, I think more legitimately the Rams and the 49ers because, hey, we saw the 49ers do it last year. Uh, and now a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, we're all going, oh, wow. Okay. That's the Jimmy that, you know, maybe he did get benched because his, his ankle was bothering him. Um, and I think as they potentially, hopefully we'll get, you know, better, healthier, like seeing Jason Perrett come back the way he's played, he's, been, he's played phenomenal. So I think seeing what they did last year and what they've been able to do in the healthy, I think they're a part of that conversation. Obviously the Rams two years ago were part of that and they're playing really good football. Um, so I, I would throw their hat in the ring. The Cardinals are the other one where I'm just like, I think there could be a playoff team. I just don't know that they could win the actual conference, uh, with what they're doing right now. Yeah. I, I mean, man, Buda Baker is awesome. But they're fun to watch, man. I just, again, I'm saying they're a playoff team. I just, I don't think they're going to go into the playoffs and then make a run 
and then win the conference, especially not without a Chandler Jones type on. Again, even though they look good versus Dallas, Dallas has been Dallas awful. Sucks. Yeah. They, they, they would need Chandler Jones to make that run. And I do think too that I'm not sure I totally buy the idea that Kyler Murray gets in the playoffs and just like goes nuclear. Cause he looked, I mean, like, he looked awful for the first quarter on Monday night. And maybe that was nerves being back in Dallas playing on that stage, which, oh, I mean, he, he missed the throw to Isabel. The other one, it was like a miscommunication. I don't know if Isabel just can feel it or read it or whatever. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily awful. I just think sometimes it takes them a little bit to find their groove. And well, it, it felt like Kingsbury got him using his legs a little bit. And then all of a sudden he was very comfortable and he was making the throws he needs to. When he's on, he is on. And I mean, there's nobody scarier in the open field right now. It's funny. Like most quarterbacks will say like, Oh, you give them some easy completions to get into a groove. He almost gets into a groove by taking off running. And like for, I remember having this conversation with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was like, yeah, sometimes it, it helps to get hit early in a game because you get in the flow of things, right? It's, it's like, like a I box. love getting hit. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not bad. Trust me. They went hit too much, but it does help you to like get that first one over with. Um, and again, much like boxing, like when you get in the ring, you know, you, you want to take a punch or two to kind of feel like, all right, I got that over with my adrenaline kind of dropped now. Now I can just go out and fight. Same thing in, in playing quarterback. I almost feel like he needs to like take off on a couple runs to like build up that confidence to get into the flow of the game as to when he deser- decides to take off and run. I mean, yeah. but, but I'll tell you what, not to completely you know, get away from the conversation. The play calling from Kingsbury, his designs, I just, I, I absolutely love them. Like the under center play where he faked the power run to the right. And then the toss, the toss, he takes oh the toss God. on the reverse. And then he ends like it really all that he was is himself though. He, he, they looked at, they looked at film saying, how can we get to a double reverse? Cause that's yeah. what it is. Like they've literally ran a double reverse, but they just used it with Murray. And then you use that running back as one of your lead blockers. And it's just brilliant. It's like that kind of stuff where. I know Cliff watches like high school film and college and everything else to, to find this stuff, but you can't do it without Murray and his ability to do it in the right spot in a game. It always seems to work out. So he's, uh, you know, they're fun to watch. Like I said, I think they will be a playoff team, uh, or they should be, but I'm just not sure they can make a run in the conference yet. I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit because you, you deserve the credit. You were one of the few people who, and you do this a lot. You're a little contrarian, but you stood up when Kingsbury got hired. It did. You, you stood up and you're like, listen, this is going to work out better than people think. And it has like Kingsbury has been, I know they only won five games last year, but they've already won four this year. And Kingsbury has been like, he took a huge leap forward as a coach last year, like midway through the season and just sort of making better decisions and being more aggressive. And you could see it last. He's very comfortable out there. And it, 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 it's kind of insane. Like how is he a better coach in the NFL than he was in Texas tech? It's actually an easy answer. This is the easiest thing ever. In the NFL, talent is equated for the most part. Yeah. You know, even even though you'll sit there and say whoever you think is well, the New York Jets, you'll say the New York Jets and the Kansas City Chiefs are miles apart. And maybe for NFL standards, but they're actually not like that Alabama much. Alabama to Texas Tech is right. It, it, it's even further. You're talking about like light years apart, and and that's the biggest difference. Is it's hard if you can't recruit uh, to be able to win consistently. And, and, and that's one of the biggest issues. And obviously when you get to the NFL level, when you have a quarterback, which he does, and you put him in a great system and you're a good play caller, you know, it, it all of a sudden showcases himself even more. The other, the other thing I think deserves credit by the way, talking about the Cardinals, Vance Joseph. Uh, yeah. look, things didn't work out as a head coach for him. 
He's a great defensive coordinator. He may get another head coaching job at some point in his career. Todd Bowles too, by the way. Todd Bowles as well. They, by the way, and they've both done a great job. But I want to talk about Joseph because he's got a younger group. That group went through a ton of turnover from last year to this year as far as different guys playing different spots. And the way he's using Buda Baker, the way he's dialing up pressure, dealing without Chandler Jones in one game, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to provide for this for this defense so far, too. He was uh the kid of the phrase the kids like to say he was in his bag on Monday night. Now, do you know what the kids say? I think it is. Don't you don't have to answer. I'm, I'm gonna answer though say? because I think we gotta cut it to like maybe once a week that you use that phrase because it's a little too much at this I said point. It, I haven't said it once this week. Get out of town. Uh, oh, you clown. Get out of here. I think All you right. used it with Kyle Shanahan. Oh, did I? Well, I don't remember anything about the Sunday podcast. I was hammered. Oh, true. Um Braves lost bourbon time. Uh, Debo's feeling himself because the Eagles are suddenly like favorites to win the NFC East. Okay. Will, will they even win Thursday night? I mean, isn't that a question? We think Debs. 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 Yeah, yeah. That this game they're going to dominate from start to finish. It, it won't be close. They need uh, to run the like Cowboys that. are actually favored at William Hill right now, uh, plus one hundred. Philly plus one thirty-five. The Giants eight and a half to one, and Washington Football Team eleven to one to win the division. I mean, who cares? I mean, none of these teams are contenders if we're being real. Well, yeah, but no, but you, you can still win money on it. Sure. I, I think I'd, I'd still go with Dallas. I mean, as bad as they are right now, they've won two games, so they're in the lead. And I think they can fix some of it. They just got to figure out how to get Dalton comfortable. That game, and by the way, that game got away from them. I think if Zeke doesn't fumble twice and if, if they're not down 21 three at half, Kellen Moore's probably not being like, all right, throw this out. Let's just sling it around the field. I think they're going to run the football. I think that helps protect that offensive line that it wasn't very good. It should have been twenty-one-seven easily. I mean, they, they, Michael sure. Gallup has to catch that. Sure, but beside the point. Like, I think that got them out of what they wanted to do with Dalton, and then that puts more pressure on their defense. Clearly, but by the way, tells you what uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray for a team that doesn't throw the football down the field a ton tells you what they think about that secondary there in Dallas. I mean, right from the get-go. They're like, okay, let's take these shots downfield. They could have scored 60 points easily on a Monday night. Like they, I mean, they scored 31 without trying. Right. All right. Uh, that's the show. That's it. Thanks to Brady Quinn. As always, buddy, pleasure to talk to you. We will see you next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.